me, 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 me. <coughs> All right there. Just, just a touch of the tuberculosis, no big yeah, deal. Yeah, just a t just a touch of the consumption. Yes. <laughs> Get over this. Get over. That's what they used to call it. Yeah. Oh, consumption. There's your history lesson. Welcome to Random Encounter, the RPG Fan Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Steinman, Pale Robbie on the boards. Joining me today, we have... Dennis, turn-based dude in the boards. Zach. <laughs> <laughs> Great start, guys. All right, come on, Zach. Uh, okay, uh, I'm Zach Finchick, uh, super flat on the boards. And Kyle Miller. Uh, Kyle Miller on the boards. <laughs> See, that's that's the easy one. That's the easy one. All right, so we have lots and lots of games to talk about this week. Uh, of course, we have lots of Dragon Quest Nine to talk about. That seems to be the game that everybody's playing. My eyes are still bloodshot from having beaten it in a week. Uh, we were going to have a topic for you guys, but we're kind of afraid that the show is going to go a little long if we go into that. So Zach has an extra long news section for us because we have lots and lots of news to talk about, including one of my favorite games, Demon Souls. Woohoo! So... Who wants to start with what they've been playing? Somebody, give me games. Games, 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 games. I'll go. I've, I've got uh, just a you know, short short list this week. I've been playing Half Minute Hero, which is very nice. interesting. I mean, I, I've only played, you know, it's in like minute chunks, so I've probably played 30 minutes of it in total. But it's uh, it's been fun. You know, it's very, it takes out everything that one could possibly hate about jrpgs which is like grinding and you know like crappy story and just you know those you know those two things a battle system um and it just throws them out the window and lets you get on your merry way um it's a great parody mm -hmm. of the whole genre can you guys just describe it a little bit for the listeners oh, that, yeah, that um, don't know too much about it just a real real brief yeah it's there's so basically there's this evil lord person that has figured out a spell to end the to destroy the world in 30 seconds um and so you at the fir at first you fail you know he destroys the world but then the goddess of time comes and you know like turns back time and sets up a deal where you can pay her to restore time so at the beginning of each level this evil lord teaches this spell to a new uh kind of s smaller evil lord and so you have to defeat him within you know like 30 seconds to a minute because you can then uh turn back cheat time yeah so it's um and like there's no battle system basically you just run around and it's like auto fight just everything is super fast um you know you're running around the map really quickly um it's just it's really it's interesting to to kind of see how uh, it turns genre conventions just complete. It's it's like basically an the anti RPG. It's it's so far sh away from you know the the ninety a hundred hour you know Persona four or you know Dragon Quest nine or eight. Um, it's it's the the exact opposite of that. And I've just I had a lot of fun you know playing. I'm I'm looking forward to playing more of it. And there are actually a couple more modes than just like the yeah three uh, three more to be exact. And there's, then there's the extension of the hero mode. That you'll soon experience after you beat yeah. all the other four. Like, see, so it's pretty much kind of the anti RPG. It's like, yeah, name one of the game where the battles last one second and you gain like three to five levels and just instantaneously like that. I like it already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it just pokes fun of even the genre itself. Like, for example, in the beginning, the Time Goddess gives you a choice if you want to make the pact with her or not. If you say no, she's not going to listen anyway, and she'll just quote-unquote say, was there any RPG where you could progress the game by saying no? Art. <laughs> yeah, I was, yeah, I was, like I was tempted to pick that option, but, you know, I was, I, the, yeah, that was the, the, the 15 seconds that I already invested in the game was, was too much for me to lose. <laughs> right, right, but, right. You know, like there was no game over. She was just going to poke fun. It's like, yeah, mm -hmm. no one ever works in the RPG game. Just pick yes already. 
And now this thing is on PSP, correctly? Yes, indeed. Correct. It's, it's on yeah. PSP. And it I, came out last year, two years ago, sometime within the past two years. And I could actually vouch for the other modes. Basically, like there are three others. One is kind of an white RTS, but it's not as good. But I really love the story and dialogue in it. It's just hilarious. The third mode is pretty much a shooter, a switching shooter kind of thing. And the fourth mode is just basically a defense kind of game of sorts. All fun stuff. They're all kind of interconnected into one main story, even though there are four different gameplay modes. Yeah, I've just been playing through the hero mode. I figure that I feel like they're kind of connected uh, story. So, you know, I figured I'd play through one and, you know, get through the rest. Yeah, but it's kind of good standalone. I was just skipping around the first because the other three modes are way, way shorter than the hero mode. You'll see. Gotcha. Excellent. Like hero mode lasts like, what, 10 hours or so? The other three last like one hour each. Cool, cool. Yeah. So what else you got to tell us about, Zach? And the the other game that I've been playing this week is uh, Might and Magic Clash of Heroes for the Nintendo DS. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, for those of you who are unaware, it's a it's by the people who did Critter Crunch on the, on the iPhone and uh, PS3. Um, and basically it's a mix, it's a mashup between a, the puzzle genre and the RPG genre. Uh, sort of strategy genre um and basically you're you start off the game it's a it's a fairly standard uh you know fantasy story where demons are trying to you know destroy the world and you know they're they're trying to sabotage these kingdoms and you know stuff and demons attack etc but you you're given the the ds battlefield is split up into you know the the opponent's side and your side and you have to make you have to move around your your colored units to uh, make matches of three that will then attack in a you know given amount of turns and uh, so I mean basically it's it's like if you have played Critter Crunch it's a mix of that and say I don't know Fire Emblem you know it's probably easier than Fire Emblem but um, I've been enjoying it it's it's another kind of unconventional take on the the JRPG sort of mold uh, and. I've been having a bit less success with that just because I'm not quite getting the the puzzle elements yet. But you know, it's it's still it's fun. I've been you know traveling a little bit more than usual this this two weeks, so I didn't have any time to sit down and you know jump on a console. So that's those are my two games for the week. Excellent, excellent. All right. So what else do we have to talk about? Either Kyle or Dennis. Go. I'll start up a little bit. So yeah, I haven't actually done that much extensive RPG. Gaming the last two weeks, well, a lot of Dragon Quest Nine, but I'm going to leave it to the uh, the rest of you to talk about it since I have talked my share last week. And other than that, I was just playing some Persona 3 Portable, you know, just on the train rides and such like that. And third RPG I've actually played only like one hour of it is something you probably didn't expect me to play at least at this point. I actually picked up Mass Effect 2. Whoa! Wow. Holy God, you picked up a white RPG? Yes. Dun, dun, dun. So I've only played an hour of that, and I'll just uh, say my impressions a little bit. I like the way the game starts off a lot more than one, which just took me like a couple of hours to at least get remotely into, or at least least things pick up a lot faster right from the get-go, so I appreciate that. And another thing is... um, yeah, I could kind of see the gameplay is uh, tighten up a little bit, even though I'm just not like wild or anything like that. And, uh, and since I played it, uh, I got the 360 version, and I played the first game on the 360, so I imported my save data and all that, and I kind of liked how you know the stuff I did in the first game kind of affect some lines and such from the second game, so that's I appreciate that. Not much to say otherwise, only in an hour in the game. I just left that uh, station and going to meet the elusive one. Elusive man, it. the elusive man. So it's their take on the smoking man from the X Files. Okay, elusive quote man. I, I'm just, I, I'm just <laughs> correcting you, man, because those board people, they're gonna come after you on that. Gotta make yeah. sure you get that right. Well, so. I only heard the name like three times or so, so it'll take a little bit to memorize it. But now, yeah, pretty uh, positive so far. I'm just like, like, oh my god, oh my god, awesome kind of thing. So now but we'll see. So now, what's your take, Dennis, on them kind of? taking away because we, we were talking on the boards uh during the past week on this what what's your take on them uh kind of reducing the rpg elements and 
uh, kind of increasing the amount of skill-based combat. Like now the game is a shooter and the RPG elements are mostly in the actual role, R-O-L-E playing and the uh, like enhancement of skills and stuff. So what, what do you think about that? Are you for that or against that? That seemed to be a very uh, kind of against it because it just feels like, yeah, I was not into the whole shooter thing as whereas I kind of like, you know, stats and something to work on, something to build on and stuff. Skill based and all it's like, yeah, it was never that much for me. And I just couldn't get into the shooter genre in general, but gave only gave the shot only because I actually beat, played the first game and actually beaten it. So it's like, yeah, I'll continue on with two and see how that goes. So at least see how it goes, even though I'm not much of a fanatic of it. But see, it's not like my cup of tea gameplay wise, but I'm just sticking with it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, Kyle, you're a fanatic of Mass Effect 2, so do you have anything to say to Dennis? <laughs> I wouldn't call myself a fanatic of anything. Dude, your um, your review you loved all over that game. You even said you weren't objective anymore. Yeah, it's like you yeah, got emotionally I did, I, attached to the story <laughs> and everything and no amount to buy. And you just yes, can't help but be biased. Yes, I would have to that. But, um, and you just think, oh, no, who am I, I think kidding it, about Mass Effect? Sorry. <laughs> I think it had a, you know, a few flaws, but as far as the toning down of the RPG elements, I mean, I, I agree with Dennis. I think they maybe overdid it a little bit with the streamlining, which makes me worry that they're going in that direction with all their games, which might not be the case. But yeah, I look, think... With the streamlining thing, it's like I actually gladly streamlined the equipment stuff because I hated that in the first game. Oh. I didn't want to stream down the shooter, like the RPG elements, just the item management. Oh god, the menus are awful in the first one. I, I took me like an hour to figure out just how to do weapon mods. I was just like, what what am I doing here? What what's going on? Well, did you have an HD TV at the very least? Because I was playing on a 10 inch TV. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. No, I mean I I I mentioned on the boards this week that I, I'm kind of more of a fan of skill based uh, RPGs. Like I I like RPGs and I like stat building, but I, it's also that that that's an intangible thing that can sometimes take me out of the experience. You know, yeah, I'm kind of the opposite in that regard. It's like I like stand-based, stat-based stuff. <laughs> I mean, I like it, but I don't. I just think that sometimes it can be overdone, or sometimes it can completely take me out of a game. And Mass Effect, you know, it was very bread and butter. Mass Effect Two was very bread and butter in terms of shooter, but I liked that because the game, the first game, was trying to be a shooter. The second game is a shooter. So it, it felt more natural to me, and I I think I only died on one part in the whole game because I mean, I'm a pretty competent shooter player, so I just kind of barreled my whole way through, and I don't think I even came close to dying after like one encounter. Like it was it was pretty easy for me. Yeah, it's like I died in the station in on normal mode. Yeah, I suck. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta be a sniper, man. You gotta be a sniper. It's it's so overpowered. You just everything slows down. You just shoot it in the head. I said that. Yeah. Later. I said that I wasn't, much <laughs> I wasn't a soldier in the first game, so I decided to try a different class. I went with Infiltrator to and see how that'll go. Yeah, the the Infiltrator is really nice, and you know, I just okay, I, good. I didn't pick a sucky one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I picked the Adept the first time, and that that was terrible. But uh, yeah, I, I mentioned in my review of Mass Effect Two that I, I was playing the game because I wasn't very invested in the story, just because I do think the Mass Effect Two suffers from being the middle part of a trilogy. But I was playing the whole game through because it was just a lot of fun to shoot aliens in the face, and you do that a lot in this game, like. I think I shot, you know, maybe the whole population of the Asari, like, in the face over and over again. And I, I like that. So, yeah. yeah. As for non-RPG stuff, just been actually practicing up on Blaze Blue a little bit because that's the only fighter I actually care for and I actually like to be decent at it. Whereas other fighters, I'm casual. But, yeah, I, I won't delve that much into it. Continuous shift is next week. I'm excited for it. And the other thing I did actually on Friday was actually something pretty interesting. It's like I was just on my uh, way to lunch from work, and on the way I just went across Macy's, and, for, and interesting enough, they have Connect on display, and you can actually try it out. Ooh, so interesting. I, so yeah, it's like, hey, why not? I decided to give it a shot. Kind of interesting experience, but it wasn't that responsive because they picked a bad location, and a lot of people were passing passing by behind me, therefore messing up my movements. And you really need to be quite far to effectively play the game. 
Yeah, I can't wait for I can't wait for the sixty hour RPG that requires connect. That'll be, that'll I, was just awesome. thinking that, I was just thinking that moments before the podcast. Like, yeah, I wonder how that'll work in the RPG genre. It won't. Roughly. Nobody will do it. You have Shake to, your you hand on the top of... right to attack. <laughs> just yeah. hold it there for a couple you... more seconds. Shepard, do you want to be a dick? Shake your fist at someone. <laughs> or, or if you want to move around the world, uh, the field map, you have to act literally run. Yeah. Like, <laughs> run fat. <laughs> <run. laughs> Like you have to move your legs up and down, up and down, up and down. Possibilities are endless. Yes, yes, the RPG possibilities of Connect. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave Connect before Eric, you know, starts telepathically smacking me for not for talking about things other than RPGs. Yeah, so, like I said, I just wanted to kept it short. It's like, yeah, that was what I experienced. Mhm, mhm. Uh, so now, if you're done, Dennis, I think we'll move on to Kyle. But I think Kyle only has uh, Dragon Quest Nine to talk about, if I'm correct. Well. I'll talk a little bit about that indie RPG I was just playing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, sorry. Dude, sorry. It's called Echelon Book 2 by um, Basilisk Games. came out this year, pretty recently. Um, I think the only other thing that they that company has developed was Echelon Book 1, obviously. it's It has all the trappings of a old-school PC RPG, like Baldur's Gate or Fallout 1 and 2. That kind of thing. It's actually pretty close to Fallout 1 and 2 because it's turn-based, interestingly. In other words, if you just sit there, nothing will happen. But every time you move, you know, the enemy will also move. So it's it's not quite real-time. But I, with the character I made, I spent 10 hours with the game, and I cannot get any farther. It's impossible. Did you break your character, or is it just too hard? What's the problem? It's it, it's too difficult. I I just cannot defeat the enemies. And I was I was reading on some forums and stuff that not to go with a completely melee fighter character, and that's exactly what I did. So <laughs> I guess it would be probably a completely different experience if I would have done chosen a different character. But I really don't feel like restarting. I like some of the stuff in the game. It's really complex, which I think games are lacking mass effect 2 for instance they're too streamlined and there's a lot in this game a lot of different little rules and stuff that really make it more realistic and fun but i just i can't get any farther and can you can you turn down the difficulty because like i'll admit i turned down the difficulty on dragon age for a couple hours because i was completely breaking my group and just to get like a couple of skill points and get everything working again can you turn down the difficulty in this game or no no you can't at the beginning you have some choices to turn off some house rules they call them like um needing food and water for instance you can actually turn it off which is a really cool feature but at the at this point you can't change it. All the rules are fixed. So I my character how much will say sorry. Sorry. Go on. So my character is basically screwed and destined for the grave. Uh, I'm sorry, dude. I, that's that's one of my biggest fears in uh, especially Western RPGs is you you have such this this open ended uh, type of game experience where you can really make the character that you want to make, but at the same time you could also be like playing Fallout 3 and put all your skill points into barter for some idiotic reason and then <laughs> completely screw yourself. So, yeah, but with this game, see, I I didn't. I mean, I put a bunch of... I just boosted my strength and like the stuff that in other games would normally make a really overpowered character and it just it just didn't. Which, I mean, I can't completely fault the game because it could have been really fun had I made a different character, but just the fact that this can happen, there's obviously problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's understandable. And I just wanted to comment on the whole food and water thing. I didn't mean to interrupt you earlier. I was just thinking to myself, hmm, if you could turn that off in the game, imagine how much money you will save if, we, if you don't. If you could turn it off in real life and then we'll have the need for food <laughs> and water. God. Oh, God. Well, that sucks, Kyle. I, I'm, I feel your pain, sir. I feel your pain. <laughs> So I think maybe at least try at least the mages to see how it is a little bit maybe. Yeah, I was thinking suggestion. about it, but I don't know. Ten hours just. Uh, yeah, that's... Give it a day or two, then decide. 
That's a lot of time to go back. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I, I was I was maybe, what, 30 hours into Dragon Age and my crew was just completely screwed over. And I just toned down the difficulty for two or three hours, got a couple level ups and I got like the two best spells in the game. And I was fine from there on out. But like I wouldn't have restarted that game just to try not to screw up my character again. It's it's hard. But then again, when it comes to Diablo, I would do that at any time. Like I, I love playing a game like Diablo that's nice and quick with the level ups. And, you know, I mean, it's yes. a very it's an interesting thing, because like the, the fact that you can screw up your character is something that, you know, I'm not a huge fan of. Uh, and like, you know, especially when you can invest 10 hours, 30 hours into your party, uh, you know, it just it, that kind of I, I would feel like I, would, I was cheated and then in turn have to, you know, download like a, a, a respec trainer cheat thing, because I know yeah. that's what a lot of people were doing for Dragon Age once they kind of figured out how the game worked. Yeah, yeah. It's one of the reasons why I might wait to play Dragon Age 2 until people figure out how it works and <laughs> I can make sure I don't screw myself. So. Yeah, at least that's one nice thing because we're going to be talking about Dragon Quest Nine soon. It's like even if you decide to, you know, change the different weapons or different classes and stuff, it's quite forgiving. Yeah, you just, you know, spend another 20 hours of your time trying to get your levels back <laughs> up. So. Well, it didn't take me that long. Oh, so. No, 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 no. But. So is that the only game that you're playing outside of uh, Dragon Quest Nine, Kyle? Yep, and I'm not playing it anymore. Okay, all right. Well, I'll I'll bring us home. Uh, start putting us in the direction of Dragon Quest Nine. But uh, if I could just have a brief, you know, moment of silence for my PS3. I got the yellow light of death a week and a half ago, and I'm ever so pissed. Uh, gonna have to turn it in. I've probably lost all my progress in all my games. I'm praying to God I get a 60 gig PlayStation 3 back. Otherwise, I'm going to have to go out and buy a PlayStation 2 so I can play all my PlayStation 2 games. Mm. Not not fun to have your your console die on you. And I, I really don't like the fact that Sony wants to charge me 150 bucks. But anywho, I promised Neil that if we have him back on the show, we'll talk about hardware failure back then. So just wanted to explain to everybody my pain. So because of that, I've been playing my DS like a fiend, and I'm really happy that Dennis made me get a DS. So, you know, <laughs> oh, actually, in, interestingly stuff. enough, I have also succumbed to the DSi XL. Oh, gosh. Did you so that, that's another did you one. Uh, did you bronze. Yeah, I, got, I, I like the cigar black. That's what it's called in Japan, and I like that a lot more. Yeah, it's called cigar black. Oh, interesting. I, I thought it was dark brown uh, or something. Yeah. The other friend I convinced also got a cigar black, so. Yeah. A cigar brown. I don't know why I was saying black, but yeah, cigar brown. And I, I have just been playing that thing like a fiend. Like I, I picked up a bunch of games because you know, once again, EB had a uh, had a sale last week, so yeah, I picked that's up. That's what I dealt with also. I, I picked up what Yahtzee calls a uh, Twewi. Uh, the world ends with you. I haven't had a chance to start playing it yet, but <clears throat> the number of zippers on that box just kind of makes me wonder if I'm gonna like it. But I, you know, figured I'll give it a try. I've uh, been playing a lot of Chinatown Wars, which I really like. I know it's not an RPG, but definitely a good experience if you're looking for a good Grand Theft Auto game. Um, played a lot of Dragon Quest IX, and we're going to talk about that in like five minutes. Uh, the other game I want to talk about, just just very, very briefly, because I don't want to tick anybody off, was uh, Shin Megami Tensei uh, Strange Journey. And I've played that for about six hours right now. I think... I was mentioning on the boards a little bit. Again, I am Pale Robbie on the boards, so I'm sure some people, A, think I'm an idiot, and B, think I'm a total, like, uh, wuss for not being good at SMT games. Let me give a little background on me. I started out with the SMT games with Persona 3 and Persona 4, and I love those two games dearly. I, I really had a good time with them, love them. I think somebody going into Strange Journey, going into a mainline SMT game, if you're coming off the Persona series, you really don't know what you're in for. Like, you're in for a very hardcore RPG experience that is a few notches up from Persona. And, you know, I like Strange Journey. I'm definitely having a good time with it. You know, after I, I'm going to give it a break for like a week because, uh, you know, that little game comes out uh, on Tuesday. What, what's that game called? Something Something Craft 2? I don't know. It seems to be a big deal. Blaze Blue? Uh, no, it seems to be a big deal in Korea. I don't know. People seem to like it. Uh, and I, I like Strange Journey, but I think that it does some things that really, really tick me off. Like, just some of the dungeon designs are really obtuse. Like, I'm, a, I'm in one dungeon design right now where, like, they have the, the pits that you can fall through, and then you have to go backwards. 
I'm not a fan of the demon conversation system, and I know that a lot of people really like it, and I had people on the boards explain it to me, and I, I was grateful for that. But it feels like even if I give the correct response, I'll sometimes screw up the conversation, and the demon will just attack me. And I know that that's a result of the moon phases, and there's all these different elements to it, but all that is is randomness. And all that randomness just aggravates me in an RPG. We already talked about it. I don't like randomness in my RPGs. And Strange Journey has a lot of it. I'm not saying that makes it a bad game. I'm just saying that for me, I'm I'm very frustrated playing Strange Journey, which is a shame because I really like the story. I like the fact that they're going for like a kind of alien vibe, uh, you know, a science fiction vibe to a JRPG is, you know, awesome. I really like that. I like the first person dungeon crawling. I was a fan of uh, Shining in the Darkness back in the day. So, I mean, I, I definitely like Strange Journey. I'm going to give it another try, but I would just, I would say a fair warning to people that, you know, maybe you're just coming from the Persona series. This is a very different type of game. It's a little bit harder, and it's it's a much you know more focused uh, dungeon crawl type game. But I, I'm liking it, and I'm gonna give it uh, some more some more work as I go on. So, all right, we've we've talked for about half an hour, and we haven't started talking about Dragon Quest Nine. So I'm gonna give the floor to Kyle because he's writing one of our second opinions of Dragon Quest Nine. Kyle, what do you think of this game? What what do you think? When I first started it. <laughs> I was I was actually really into it and you know I have had a waning interest in traditional Japanese RPGs lately but I was really enjoying it. I didn't think it was as good as 8 but you know I was really into it. And now I'm about 20 hours in and I'm kind of I don't know my response to it now is just kind of tepid. I you know it's not it's not bad. It's pretty fun. I find that the character progression is a little slow. Yeah. Skill acquisition is a little slow, and then the skills you get sometimes aren't even very cool, which kind of bothers me. And some of the battles take a little bit too long. I don't know. Maybe my party just sucks or something. What's your party build? Um, Right now I have a, what are they called, minstrels and a warrior, a priest, and a rogue. I had a mage, but I turned into a rogue so I could steal items. I just... I leveled Thief for a little bit, and I just went transports into the character. It still carried over the Thief skills, so that's cool. Yeah. I, I totally see where Kyle's coming from, though, and th- this was one of my bigger problems with Dragon Quest Eight. And I, I really like Dragon Quest Eight, but it kind of feels like the combat doesn't change from the moment that you get a four-person party until the end of the game. Like, every enemy in the game takes between three or four hits— you know, your, yeah, that's your, true. your party doesn't really get any new skills that are extremely useful. Like eventually your martial artist can get a skill that is basically two attacks. And once I got that, like she was doing so much damage that I could take out almost anything really fast. But I, I see it feels like combat is never changing. Like it, you you fight the same like really cool looking enemies. I love Toriyama's design in the game. Yeah, there. I, like the magician. Like I, I almost had to close the DS. So, I was laughing so hard. So how about them puns, anyone? I like them. I like. I like. Puns. I like you, Rob. Actually, agree on this. I actually like puns quite a bit, and I don't see understand why people hate on it so much. It's like. It's stupid. It's childish. No, it's fun. That's partly what makes Dragon Quest oh, charming because it's just it's silly dialogue. I'll tell you why people hate it, okay? And I'm not making fun of people on the boards. This goes back to the argument that has always gone on whenever anything is translated from Japanese into English. You have some people that really enjoy it when the core Japanese language makes it into English and it's a direct translation. And then you have people like me who like it when it sounds proper. You know, this is the difference between, and it's not an RPG, but it's the best example I can think of. This is the difference between the original Metal Gear Solid and Metal Gear Solid 2 and 3. Metal Gear Solid 1, uh, Jeremy Blaustein, I believe was his name, he got a lot of flack because he went in and completely reworked Kojima's script, and he made sure that that game sounded natural. In fact, the only scene in that game that Kojima went back and changed was the love blooming on a battlefield, and that's why it sounds like crap. But the rest of the game sounds like a Jerry Bruckheimer summer blockbuster, and it sounds very natural. Then you listen to Metal Gear Solid 2 and 3, and the dialogue sounds stilted and awkward because it's the Japanese language, and we're not fixed with that. If you do a direct translation, it sometimes won't sound proper. 
And now some people like that sort of thing, and they, they're like, no, I want you to make sure that when you translate it, we get the, the exact same thing. But things like the puns, they won't find their way into the English language. Like, yes, it exactly. won't happen. So I, I don't know. I like the puns. Yeah. I, I yeah. think they're perfectly fine. Uh, basically, it's like yeah, it's called localization for a reason. You don't do you don't sometimes do direct translations. You try to make it accessible to wider. It's like sure, there are games like Persona that technically isn't a Japanese place and stuff, so it went with the feel, right? Then there are other games where it just feels like it's in the random fantasy world, and you're just trying to localize it to try to make it sound more natural instead of you know that word for word on what it said in Japan, things like that. Yeah, yeah. and. Again, continue on the puns. The only the only times when the puns can get a little cringeworthy is when it's voiced. When I read it, it's fun. Voiced, it's hit or miss. Yeah, yeah. And then they also do a weird thing with the dialogue that I, I think the dialogue would be great if it was spoken, but it kind of suffers from the Chrono Cross problem that reading broken French or Cockney English is really, really nasty. Like seeing all these apostrophes. Yeah. Yeah, and, uh, okay, speaking of that... Do not play Dragon Quest IV, then. The localization, <laughs> they really went heavy in the accents. Like, yeah, don't get me started in the Scottish. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, it, it is hard to read, but it, it does give the game a lot of charm, and I think that's Dragon Quest IX's biggest thing, is charm. Now, yeah, whereas, whereas, sorry, whereas a lot of games just seems to go serious business, they're brooding and angst and stuff, Dragon Quest, even if it has its serious modes, at least it remains lighthearted and fun. Something that seems to be missing in a lot of RPGs at times. Yep, yep, yep. Now, Kyle, uh, you were talking about the slow character progression. Now, um, right. have you tried like switching up your character classes? Like, I kept on switching my main character. I went from minstrel to warrior to paladin eventually, and I'd, I was just finding I was getting bored with my main character after like a couple hours and just changing, and I think that's a plus. Yeah, I mean, I haven't changed a whole lot, but I think I'm going to try it because... I'm just kind of getting bored. The skills really, the skill progressions just don't, I like getting, you know, permanent bonuses to my abilities. But other than that, like hot lick, you know, <laughs> a, a fire attack, the skills. It, it does less damage than a regular attack. Cool. You know? <laughs> yeah. I, I, but the name is cool. That's important. Yeah. The name is cool. But uh, no, Kyle, uh, Kyle's 100% right. I just feel like I really enjoy Dragon Quest for about 25 hours and I, I beat it in about 32 and the last couple hours of that game really I, I felt the grind I really felt the grind I was really getting tired of fights because they were just the fights start off very quick and then they start taking too long and I you know yeah. it, it's like the two steps forward one step back thing that really frustrates me like the fact that they got rid of random encounters. I'm like, yes, thank you God, this is awesome but the fact that I have to heal on the field and if I heal on the field, I could end up being surrounded by enemies and automatically get into another fight. It's just like I, I want to break something. I'm like, no. Yeah, no. I found that. I found that pretty stupid. I mean, it doesn't pause when you go into a menu, so you get out of a menu and then bam, another battle. I found that kind of foolish, I guess. I guess it's stupid, but it never bothered me. So I guess just. Mm. But well, there, there's, a, there's a couple parts in the game, particularly as you get close to the end, where you have to travel a really long way, like in between story points and in between save points. And, you know, the game's not hard, but you have to travel a really long way. And if you stop to fight in every battle, like you're not going to make it. You're going to run out of MP. You're going to run out of healing items. You're, you're not going to make it. So I did find that sometimes I was just avoiding battles, which was really, really cool. And I really, really like that. But then... Yeah. But then the last couple dungeons, they start putting, like, these really small corridors so you can't avoid the battles. And it's like, well, God, I don't want to fight that troll. It's going to take, like, five minutes. I don't want to mm -hmm. fight that thing. Yeah, I think one of the things that has killed JRPGs for me is incredibly long battles. I mean, if they're turn-based battles, I want them to be quick. You know, over in, like, like Tales. Tales, this Tales series does it really well. They always have battles that can take, like, ten seconds or even, like, three seconds. Yeah. And those are awesome. And I feel like every week I bring it up, but I, I think it's because I started out as a huge JRPG fan. Like that, that Those are the RPGs I started out with. But then around the PlayStation 2 era and these past couple of years, I've gotten more and more into Western RPGs. 
And really the only JRPG that brought me back and I really enjoyed it was Persona because the Persona games, the battles are so fast. They're Mm -hmm. so strategic and they have this nice mechanic where it's almost like a survival game because you can only go so far before you run out of like, you know, MP or EP or SP, whatever it's called. You run out of your magic so that you kind of have to retreat. So it's about like a little bit of forward progress, and then you go back and you kind of you do other things, and then you come back. But the battles are nice and quick and really satisfying. And now that I'm playing like Dragon Quest Nine and even playing Final Fantasy Thirteen, like I just they're missing that punch. And I really feel like Persona yeah. is knocking it out of the park with that punch in the battle system. For me, I feel like just coming off of Half Minute Hero, I. I would not be able to play Dragon Quest Nine right now. It's just it's it's the exact opposite. It, there's too much. You know, like I I've never spent probably more than five seconds in battle in Half a Hero, which <laughs> compared to like a five minute just standard fight out on the field is is it seems almost silly. I mean, and granted, Half a Hero is kind of silly in its you know in its nature, but um, yeah. Well, f- well, five minutes. I was definitely using hyperbole. Like very few of the fights take five minutes, but they. It, it is the same length every time. You fight three or four enemies, and each yeah. one each one takes between three or four like hits from your party. So it's about two to three rounds to get through the fight, and it's just same thing over and over again. Slightly too long. <laughs> yeah, and it, there's just not enough spice, and I can't remember if if Dragon Quest Eight was missing that too. But I think what what really made Dragon Quest VIII for me was just that huge open world and just really feeling like you're on an adventure. Yeah, I think one of the a couple other things about Dragon Quest Nine, and I think they're a result of multiplayer that make it different from or worse than eight, is first of all the lack of actual NPCs, which is really disappointing because in eight they were so colorful, they had great voices you know they were just really cool and then now in nine they're just models you know they're just random dolls. random dude eight yeah yeah i guess i'm kind of okay with it. it's like yeah it's good to kind of step backwards but then again i've played it's just a in, in another perspective it's just a tribute to the much older ones for example I don't think any of you played it, but basically 9 is pretty much a souped-up version of 3, which I've played the SNES version of, actually, so, which has pretty much the same things. You form your party, you go to this world, build up your team, it's class-based, stuff like that. 9 just adds a lot more to it, so I like 3, so I, I wind up liking 9 also because of it, and as for the grind, I've just been more patient because, honestly, after what I've dealt with in all Final Fantasy Eleven, which was really the crazy grind. I'm, p- I'm pretty much patient for whatever. And I also just play a lot of things on the go, so it's like, okay, 15-minute train ride and stuff, I played it, I'll pick it up hours later, stuff like that. I just kind of keep ticketing this little slow instead of marathoning it. Yeah, and I mean, that mm-hmm. that that's one of the big things about Dragon Quest Nine that I can't speak highly enough about. This game is designed for the DS. Like, this is not... Okay, like Strange Journey, for example, is an SMT game on the DS. This is a Dragon Quest game designed for the DS, designed with the DS in mind. You know, just from everything from the menu system to the way you use the stylus to the way the map is on the top screen and you're on the bottom. It just feels like it was really designed with the DS in mind and it's really taking advantage of the DS. And I love it for that. But I do feel like it's after Dragon Quest VIII was was so revolutionary for the series and for most Americans it was our first Dragon Quest game it kind of set our expectations a little too high and so then when we go into Dragon Quest 9 which is more like a traditional Dragon Quest game and it's kind of taking some things away we're sort of sitting here going no wait we we really like Dragon Quest 8 we wanted you know an even bigger world with more crap to find so it maybe that maybe 10 will do that but no, we'll see no 10 will not do that <laughs> 10's on the Wii it can't possibly be good Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was kidding. See, I was kidding. I was kidding. No, he's serious. Uh, yeah. yeah, he is. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, the making having it on the DS though brings its own problems. Like, first of all, I hate 3D graphics on the DS. But these look so good. They I look just don't so like good. Them. It looks. Yeah, I mean, the it's the ones. best. It's the best it can look, but it's still. 
I don't know. It's still muddy and it just drives me nuts. I mean, because I, I feel like eight was eight was so beautiful. Like, why couldn't it have been on a console? Go with the cell shaded graphics if you want. It would have been amazing. The console the, generation of JRPGs and especially for simple simplistic games like Dragon Quest probably wouldn't fare as well. Or you could have put it on the Wii. Yeah, I mean, Dragon Quest Eight didn't sell that well in America, did it? Like, it sold decently, but it did, I can't remember the exact numbers. But then again, a lot of people were just buying it for the Final Fantasy Twelve demo. So. I knew friends that got did that. Yeah, and I mean, I, I just I agree with Kyle. Like, I I really loved Dragon Quest Eight. That was probably one of my favorite games on the PlayStation. Yeah, I loved too. it too. I just yeah. I just yeah. appreciate Nine for what it is. You know, I think yeah, that... yeah, and I I think that if you go into Nine. Knowing what you're getting, and I, I think we're all also kind of missing out on the fact that nobody here has played it multiplayer, and that's what the game. Actually, ha- I did a little bit oh, of you it. Did. Okay, okay. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Well, it was just remember that uh, last time I just talked about it was during this event. I didn't actually didn't play it since, but I just experienced it a little bit. It was kind of interesting. Your party members can actually go on their own separate battles and stuff like that. So if you know they're lagging behind, they're caught on enemies. It's just them alone while you're just ahead. You could just join up to help them, but if not, oh well. It's kind of like how Persona did it, in that oh, sense where, yeah, like with the party split up there on their own a little bit. You could just jump in to help. Yeah, yeah. Same deal. And I, I think, um, I, I talked about it when we were, when we were uh, doing the pre-show warm-up. Like, I think that um, Dragon Quest Nine is a multiplayer-focused game, but I don't think the single player stands up as well as other multiplayer focused games like uh, Diablo is a lot of fun. Single player Uh, fantasy star universe can be a lot of fun. Single player dragon quest nine. Like I I think that you're kind of missing the biggest element by missing out on the multiplayer. And so I'm glad I'm not reviewing the game because I would want to go out and experience the multiplayer before I did. I know Sam talked about it in his review and he said it was a lot of fun. So I, I think that we're kind of missing a portion of Dragon Quest IX, which could actually make it something really, really special. Yeah, I just think it's a shame that the single-player experience had to suffer. Because I just I don't like multiplayer. I mean, co-op is okay sometimes, just, you know, once, a, once, a, once in a while. But, like, to play most of a game with other people, I just find it annoying i don't know i just don't like multiplayer well i'll make so, sure i'll make sure to send bioware a, a letter saying that uh mass effect 3 should have only multiplayer just for you <laughs> yes i agree on that notion just because i'm not the biggest bioware fan either so hey be spiteful <laughs> thanks guys <laughs> no problem no problem um, I, i'm just here to pee in your frosted flakes That's hey you know I'm they're here. probably listening to us right now and thinking it's a good thing we didn't fire that uh multiplayer guy <laughs> that we hired if if Bioware's listening to anything oh, right now, it's, uh, it's the ra- yeah, no, it's certainly it's, not us. <laughs> no, 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 it's the rabid fan community as they flip out over Dragon Quest <laughs> Dragon Age Two. Oh yeah, my yeah. God. Oh. So, yeah, I guess the only thing that really dis- disappointed people with Dragon Quest, at least from my perspective, is a lot of people are either expecting it to be like eight or it's their first foray into the series, yeah. whereas I fall into neither category. Like I, after eight, I've experienced some of the older games I've played and beaten four and five. I've delved into one, the NES version, not not any of the remakes or whatever, the original one, and kind of what to expect. And and that's why I like the series because yeah, I like it traditional. And I like knowing that despite all the complicated RPGs around, stuff like that, or just something that's overwhelming, I could just go back to at least one series and just kind of enjoy the sim- simpler times without any gimmicks. Yeah, and I mean, uh, I think we should probably uh, we should probably wrap it up right now so we yeah. can move on into news. But just a final note, I think that Dragon Quest Nine, if you're looking for a fun, very traditional JRPG, it's got that in spades. You you have so much content in this game that it will keep you busy for the rest yeah, of the summer. And one more thing about this, I because I want to do everything. I went to pick in the guide. It's over 400 pages long. Yeah, I mean the game is huge. Like you can play this game for you know, some I forget which developer it was, but somebody was saying that they played like 400 hours of Dragon Quest Nine. I'm like ah, and so if if you're looking for that kind of game, it's great. But if you are maybe somebody like me who started out with Dragon Quest Eight, just temper your expectations a little bit. Realize that it is a handheld game. It's a little bit more of a traditional 
sort of SNES era RPG. Enjoy it for what it is, and I think you'll have fun. Don't expect it to blow you away like Dragon Quest Eight really did. So, Definitely not. Yeah. They took too many. I think they took too many concessions to make it more accessible. Like, oh, it's on the DS. It's portable. It's and it's uh, multiplayer. And it's just, I think it kind of thinned it out a little bit too yeah. much. All right, so without further ado, Zach has a lot of news to give us, and he was trying to sit here and yell at me through Skype that we need to get the news. So, Zach, yeah, no take it away. Um, well, I guess we'll go through a couple of game announcements first. Uh, on the PSP, we have Phantom Brave Portable, uh, which is an, a remake. It's going to be actually the second remake because it first came out on PS2 and then uh, a couple of years ago came out on the Wii. Uh, so it'll be a portable version, uh, I'd assume, with more content, kind of like they did with Afternoon of Darkness. There's actually not a whole lot out about that right now, but uh, we have reviews of the older versions up on the site. Quick question, quick question. Yes. I love Disgaea 1. I love that game. I, play it, I played it to death. Am I going to like Phantom Brave? I actually don't know. I haven't played Phantom Brave, but I know that it's it's a little bit different. It doesn't use a grid-based yeah. system. They have the, uh, the... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Dennis, I have played you played a little it? bit yeah. of it. Yeah, I only played like four chapters of it or so, because that's... The, I really sucked at it, and I just kind of got lazy, didn't go further. It's tough, and it's different, because your party members can only stay in the battlefield for only a certain amount of terms, because they're technically all spirits, and they can only sit, last a certain duration. Yeah. yeah, so there has that challenge factor. It's not grid-paced. You could just only move a certain radius or so, and... You can pretty much pick up any scattered object that use that as a weapon. So that's kind of neat. And I kind of find the, the story at least quite touching. I, I forgot the details of it, so I can't really help there. It's a lot different from this guy one, so don't expect that. It's interesting, but it's tough. And it just feels like I didn't, didn't get a good grasp of the system, combat system itself. Okay, okay. Next. On a similar line, we have Tactics Ogre, The Wheel of Fortune. Which is, uh, yeah. yeah. I actually, I kind of stopped really? there for a second. I was like, wait, they need, they need to change that in the translation. Well, That's yeah. where localization comes in. Uh, oh, you know what? Here, uh, sorry, my mistake. It's in Japan. It's going to be the Wheel of Fortune. Uh, they're going to use uh, the uh, the Japanese title "Let Us Cling Together" for the American version because I, I was re I'm reading our, our news article That's on the site. Yeah, it's, I mean, yes, but it's, it's not the Wheel that of Fortune. That was the NCS title name. Let us yeah, play that's, together. That's, they're using that for the North American release. Um, I mean, I'm assuming that the Wheel of Fortune doesn't have the same stigma as it does here and as it is in uh, Japan. <laughs> and so the, the, interesting things about, <laughs> the interesting thing about this version is that they're actually bringing back a large majority of the old staff. So the director... Uh, Hiroshi Minagawa, game designer Yasumi Matsuno. Uh, composed... Wait, they found him? <laughs> uh, yes, I, I mean, like, there's uh, the two composers, Hitoshi Sakimoto and Masaharu Iwata, and character artists, uh, Subasa Masao and Akihiko Yoshida. If anyone knows those names, I mean, I don't. I just. Well, I figured the guy, what's the guy's, Matsuna, I, I figured after, you know, the Final Fantasy XII debacle, like, he went and killed himself somewhere. So it's I... good, to see, good to see he's alive. <laughs> But yeah, so they're they're getting a lot of you know they're getting a bunch of the the old developers on board, and they're they're I think I don't remember how much they changed about uh, Final Fantasy Tactics from the original release to War of the Lions, but it, they're they're adding you know better graphics, new classes, more uh, new skill based gameplay features, um, and a, a bunch of other stuff, and you know so I'm. I never actually have played a, a Tactics Ogre game, but I'm interested to see what they... Yeah, and, I, and for the record about the, the changes in War of the Lions, mm -hmm. visually it remains the same. It just added some CGI cutscenes. And they localized and, it. <laughs> yes, a much better localization. Like, I love Tactics. That's actually one of my favorite the games. But I just couldn't follow the story after like Chapter 2 in the PSX version. Yeah. It was that. And what was the platform for Tactics Ogre again? Uh, PSP as well. Damn it! Ah, see that I just bought yeah, a it DS, is. and now we're you know there, there's the rumor going around that Persona Five is going to be announced for PSP, and it's like I don't want to buy a PSP, but you know, I will. I mean, it's with the consoles just go handheld. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, the thing is that right. I feel like you're we're probably getting far enough into the PSP's life cycle 
that we're going to see a PSP 2 soon. Um, and I, I mean, it's just based on how they've announced, you know, the 3DS and... Well, because like, the PSP Sony, Go did so well. Well, but I mean, it wasn't, you know, that wasn't a... <laughs> I, I don't, I, you know, I don't think that it's a particularly good system, but I think that they need to, you know, step up their game because the, the one thing that the PSP has had going for it is its graphics. And now that the 3DS is considerably more powerful, you know they're they're going to need to do something else with that. Yeah, well, um, I just I, I don't want to buy but, Persona Five on PSP. Yeah, I mean that would be a bummer. Just you know that would tick it, me it off. It gets it gets back to the you know the, the conversation we were just having about Dragon Quest is you know you you would it's so much nicer to have you know I mean at least in my opinion to have a a you know experience where you can sit down and really get sucked in instead of having it be built for your you know your commute to work. Um, but but. Uh, you you can do it right. I mean, you can do I mean, it right on a handheld. Like but, uh, Persona Three Portable, you know, if you know that that was pretty good translation to the portable. But I mean, I, I would rather have a proper release and then have you know a, a PSP release after that. Yeah, yeah. Just I I think when you make a handheld game, I'd rather see a game that's designed for the handheld than trying to cram an experience onto a handheld. Like uh, real quick, I'm playing Chinatown Wars, and I think that that overall on the handheld, I'm having more fun with it than I did any of the past Grand Theft Autos except for Vice City, my personal favorite, just because it is it's been especially designed for the DS. The touchscreen works great. It just it, everything is brilliant with how it comes together. Sure there are technical limitations, but when you design a game for a handheld system, I think you can get a lot out of it. But I don't want to see like Dragon Age crammed onto a PSP. You know, like I don't want to see that. I don't want to see that on the consoles actually, but you know that's that's a whole other story. <laughs> I mean, on, on, a, on a similar note of, of console titles going to the PSP, uh, Valkyria Chronicles 2 has been dated for North America, and it's coming uh, at the end of August, August 31st. So, oh, cool. Yeah. I it's coming um, in the fall. Awesome. I mean, it, it's right on, the, right on the edge there. But yeah, I'm, I actually, I, now it reminds me that I need to play the original Valkyria Chronicles. I never got I it. I love the original. Oh, I, I really I have, enjoyed it. I, I just, have it laying around somewhere. You know, it, Did you get through the tank? Because that's the worst part. Uh, yes, it the, took me uh, one shot. I took me one shot too, but I was still ticked. I wasn't having fun. It took like an hour. Yeah, I bet it was epic. But anyway, so yeah, so I mean, uh, we have a uh, uh, James Quentin Clark did a review of that up on the site, and uh, he thought he thinks it's one of the best games of 2010 so far, at least wow. when he wrote it back in March. Um, so you know, and there hasn't been much out recently except for Dragon. Yeah. So, um, let's see more announcements uh Reciteer and item shops and item shops tale is a new game coming out it's it's kind of an indie japanese game that that follows a almost rune factory harvest moon sort of thing where instead of having a farm and you know selling off your stuff you you are your name is reset which is the first half of Reciteer, and you uh, own an item shop and you have to you know either just collect items in the world or, you know, go off into dungeons, kind of similar to how in Rune Factory you go off, you know, and can, like, plant in dungeons and uh, stuff like that. So there's an, an English demo on the game site that you we have a link to on our on RPG Fan, and uh, it's it seems like it's going to be an interesting uh, kind of indie PC RPG, which I feel like uh, our... You know, especially on the on the JRPG front, you don't really hear about very many indie JRPGs on the PC. So, so wait, are you, are you basically like one of the townsfolk in Diablo that's like scalping prices for like daggers and crap? Like, uh, I mean, I guess I'm the the goal is to the goal of the game is to pay off this debt you have, and if you don't pay it off, then they they confiscate your item shop or something. Oh, that's uh, you know. It sounds kind of awesome because, like, it, it, you know, imagine how much money you spend in a store during an RPG, and then somebody who's telling you, like, "Oh my God, the lands are threatened by an evil dark force, and we're gonna lose all my fam- friends and family." Oh, geez, that's terrible. Well, I'm here to help you, and you know, just give me some armor. Okay, well, I gotta charge you. What? No, I gotta charge you. Seriously, <laughs> I gotta make sure I make a profit. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm I'm interested to see what they do, how the the localization team does on that, because it's a uh, a very, I think it's one of the newer, it's a newer localization team called Carpe Fulger, uh, if I pronounced that right. And sorry guys if I didn't, but um, yeah. So I'm I'm interested to see what they do with that. Uh, I'll I'll run quickly through the next couple because we're running along a bit. But um, EA announces Dark Spore action RPG. Um, 
<laughs> yeah, it's so it's, it's I don't know in the in the news uh, the subtitle I said it's like Spore but dark and filled with teenage angst. Um, but no, it's it's basically an action RPG in the vein of Diablo with with uh, four player co op. I think it, unless I misread the press release, they all they're also going to have uh, like a versus sort of multiplayer. Um, you have you assemble a team of quote unquote genetic heroes. Um, and you customize them with body parts, DNA, armor, you know, so basically like loot. Um, and you, you know, you have to save the world from the malicious forces of the dark spore. And so, you know, um, are you using the creature creator at all? Uh, yeah, that's, that's sort of how you, instead of, so we're going to basically buying... see a, bu- we're basically going to see a bunch of penis monsters and full body armor. Uh, I, I don't yes. know about that. I think it's, there's, there's specific, uh, like classes and hero types, um, you know. Well, I mean, that's that's what they call it. I'm not. I'm just saying what they say in the press release. But, um, you know, I don't think that you're going to be, you know, using the the creature creator to the full extent that it was used in Spore. But okay. it's okay. gonna, you know, you're gonna instead of having new weapons and armor and you know, gems and enchantments and stuff like that, you're gonna have body parts that you can switch out that give you new attacks and. You know DNA, which changes your stats, and um, uh, an interesting thing that they're doing is you have like a, a mini party that you can switch between three heroes at a time. Um, you know, like so. Let's say one is like I guess the they're going for you know like uh, warrior, mage, thief sort of archetype. So fast, strong, and and wizardly. Uh, <laughs> but you know, so you'll you'll take out uh, you know like one of the you'll have to use like a, a faster. Uh, hero to take out some of the faster enemies and i mean it seems interesting and oh and they also have a uh party skills so if you have a one of your heroes that has a a teleport move and it's set to party skill all of your your creatures can use that so that's kind of cool and there's an ai director i'll just that's my last kind of bullet point is they have in in the vein of left for dead and left for dead 2 they have an ai director which will kind of dynamically create the the levels and uh is said to boast increased replayability although i'm not sure how i would take that uh well i mean it's definitely an interesting direction for the sport franchise and we'll we'll have to see i mean now that will Wright isn't there anymore we have to see if you know they can produce something i think spore was kind of most people would agree it was a massive disappointment so maybe now trying to get the the franchise brand onto something Sorry. Okay. <laughs> maybe trying to get the franchise brand uh, on something else that maybe it's a little bit more profitable. I mean, that's the right thing to do. So, um, more announcements because there are so many. This week, these two weeks have been just absurd. Uh, new Mass Effect 2 DLC, uh, Layer Woo-hoo! Layer of the Shadow Broker, which I, I will say that I might actually buy this one because I haven't bought any of the the DLC that's come out so far, and you know I I probably will eventually, but Based, the the gist of this one is that you you join up with Liara, you know, from the the first game, uh, and also she made a, a guest appearance in the second game, um, and you, it, it follows the story or it follows after the the events of the story in the comic book series Mass Effect Redemption, um, where Liara worked with the Shadow Broker and then, um, kind of broke away from him or her, you know, I don't know exactly who it is, but, uh. It, it'll be interesting to to see how they incorporate that fiction because obviously not everyone's read the the comic series and you know just to see I don't know if they if anything happened with the Shadow Broker in Mass Effect Two I don't uh, it's been a while since I played it I didn't get quite far enough maybe but that's a very mysterious and intriguing character um, in the Mass Effect universe and you know it'll be interesting to see what happens you know. Uh, you know what what choices might carry over to the next game and what choices will come in from mass effect one because uh, if you'll recall maybe there there was a a mission where you were retrieving some sort of information on uh that on this secret project that cerberus was doing and by not sending it to the shadow broker you had like a, a negative reputation thing with him so uh we'll see what happens keep going keep going uh, 38 Studios announces Kingdoms of Amalur Reckoning. Uh, oh, that's the Kurt Schilling MMO? <laughs> yep. Well, no, it's, it's, this is... <laughs> oh, the uh, action game. Yeah, this action. is the, it's a, 
it's not quite an action RPG in the sense that Diablo is an action RPG, but if you think Oblivion meets God of War, that's kind of how they're describing the game. Um, so it's an open world game uh, set in the realm of Amalur, uh, which was created by uh, R.A. Salvatore, who's you know well-known fantasy author, and Todd McFarlane, who is the artist who created Spawn. Uh, and... I mean, well, if, Tar- if Todd McFarlane's name on is on the game, then you know it's got to be good. I I, I have no yeah. preconceived notion <laughs> either way for that. He's just doing the art. I'm so. done. I'm done. I'm done making comments. <laughs> I'm, I apologize. I just had to take yeah. a crap on Todd McFarlane. <laughs> but yeah, so it's it's coming out PS3, Xbox 360, and PC uh, sometime next fall. So uh, that's 2011. So it'll be you know we don't have any much information. There's a trailer up on our site uh, and. Yeah, it's, it'll be interesting to see what happens when they announce their MMO because on, on both of the, you know, like the blurbs that they had before they announced this game, um, the, the said that the world and art were created by, you know, Ari Salvatore and Todd McFarlane for both games. So I have a feeling that the MMO is going to be something like Kingdoms of Amalur Online, but that's just, that's speculation on my behalf. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt. Jumping to online stuff, Demon Souls online support has been extended. Unfortunately, not indefinitely, but March 2011 will be the very earliest that Atlas will cut off the the server support. I know, Rob, oh, you love it. Yeah, uh, it's it's on sale now. I don't know if it's right now, but it should be on sale for about 30 bucks. And now that you know, like, uh, oh, and they're doing uh, they're changing the server tendency, world tendency to white for the next couple of weeks. To yeah, that'll make, that'll make it yeah, for, much, much easier for new gamers getting yeah. involved. So yeah. everyone should go pick up a copy if you have a PS3. It's definitely one of the better games on the PS3 right now. Yeah, that, that was one of my two favorite RPGs of last year. That and Dragon Age were my two favorites. Demon Souls, it it's just an experience I think that you really... Even if you hate it, I just think you should try it. Like, you don't have to go out and buy it, but just... It's so different and so unique. I think you have to try it. I totally understand why some people hate it, and you know, I I can respect that. But that game is incredible. I loved it. Uh, and then final news of the night: uh, Final Fantasy XIV has 18 classes at launch. Nice. Uh, and over wow. half of them are gathering and crafting classes. Oh. Which you know is interesting. There there are seven combat classes and 11. Uh, if I counted that right, uh, gathering and crafting classes, which... That does make 18, Zach. Yep. Hey, you know what? Uh, <laughs> 7 plus 11 equals 18. I, I did my brain age today, so there you go. <laughs> but yeah, so there there are five uh, dis- disciplines of war, uh, which are basically the melee classes, uh, two magic classes, disciplines of magic, which are, um, you know, and then uh, mining uh herb gathering and fisherman classes and then some crafting stuff so that's so mundane like <laughs> and i, I know the, i know the purpose of it but like when you i play a be, game you don't want to be I, when i play a game i don't want to be something i could be in real life i don't want to be a fisherman <laughs> i mean I, i'm thinking yeah, some the, do, the interesting thing that that you know to take into account when you're thinking about how they have 18 classes is that the armory system which is the you know the more the more all-encompassing name for the class system in Final Fantasy XIV is basically a skill-based system. So I think in Final Fantasy Tactics, you could have, like, a, a paladin that had dual wield or whatever. Yeah, and, you know, yeah. Like, and basically customize a class with various class skills. And that's the sort of things that you, you have going on here. So you won't have to, you know, like, be a dedicated minor or something like grind through 75 levels of mining which would just be a right, but but you know like the one of the class skills for blacksmith which creates you know uh weapons and and other tools that you you know use to craft other things they can weaken enemies who are constructed of metal so you know like if you end up fighting any like steampunk robots in in the game you know like having a class skill in the from the blacksmith will help you take that on or you know like the conjurer which is uh the direct damage magic class as well as the healing class if i've if i've read correctly they not all the details have been announced you know like you have to kind of you can either you know like you might be able to make a more uh 
combat casting class by throwing together, you know, like uh, an archer and uh, some direct damage magic spells, or you could do like a more paladin sort of thing with a marauder, which is a heavily armored axe wielding class, and you know, like throwing in some healing spells. Um, so, I mean, it's in- I'm interested to see what they do, and apparently, you know, like the beta's been going pretty well. Um, I don't know, I'm I'm pretty excited for not having played so much of the first uh, of Final Fantasy XI. So, any any Dennis, I know you played a lot of that. Any thoughts? Yeah, well, I'm not actually hyping myself much. I'm not really looking to it much because it's like yeah, back then it was a long ways away. It's like I don't want to get myself excited or look deeply into it. It's like I'll just look more into it, get more excited when the time draws near. Which I believe it's coming out in September or so, yeah, right? September twenty second for the limited edition, and September thirtieth for the regular edition. And that's just on and, PC. And that's a PC, yeah. right? Yeah. PS three versions coming in. So yeah, I'm excited and for the crafting and stuff. I hope it's a lot less tedious than it was in eleven. I just couldn't bother with it. Hoping more, it's sort of similar to just how fast paced like World of Warcraft kind of did it, but mm-hmm. I don't want it to be exactly like World of Warcraft either. We'll see, I guess. Yeah. Now, when's the PS? When's the PS3 version coming out, Zach? Sometime in March, and uh, probably okay. by then, they've said that they are going to be adding more classes eventually. So, you know, here here's to a. And I uh, assume it's gonna ha- be in, all interconnected, like how the PC, PS2, and 360 version all share the same server, and all the players from those can just interact in the same place. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think I think that's going to be the case. I don't think Good. that they have an Xbox 360 version planned. Uh, oh, it's coming. It's and, and eventually, coming. but they're they you know Microsoft's going to have to pay them a bit more, um, just because you know like they've so their their excuse right now is that uh, you know the the non open nature of Xbox Live leaves a bit to be desired. But you know that's just we want more money. Translation: We need more money. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's that's all for all like ten stories of news. Woohoo! All right, I think we're just about done. So uh, I hope everybody had an excellent week. Kyle, it was great to have you back on the show. How worried are you about Dragon Age Two right now? Um, I was a little worried at first. I wasn't sure I liked the new art style, the art direction, but I'm just gonna trust trust Bioware. Yeah, I'm 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 just gonna try to sit back and. And hopefully these bad news stories that have been coming out for the past couple of weeks that couldn't be more vague if they tried. Hopefully mm-hmm. we'll try to hear some more about it. So I, I think it'll be fine. I, you know, I, I'm going to trust them on this one. I, I always talk about how I like to see new things in video games. So let's, you know, let's let them try something new and we'll see how it goes. So yep. Holy Briar will break, won't break your heart. Oh, they already have. Well, Squaresoft, bro. Square Enix breaks my heart every other week. So so you went to a new boyfriend, which is Bioware. (laughs) (laughs) Bioware and I seem to be getting along all right. We we had a little bit of a falling out with Mass Effect One, but we're back on good terms now. So snuggle, snuggle. I I am a cuddler. I am a cuddler. So you know, there you go. Uh, Thank you everybody for listening. For Kyle, Zach, Dennis, and myself, thank you very much for listening to Random Encounter, and we will talk to you guys later. Good night.